Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we're talking about a wrestling documentary. And you know we love wrestling documentaries. It's called 350 Days, and joining us will be the director of the film, Fulvio Cesare. Is Dennis Stamp in this one? No, he's not. It's sadly, 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 but tons of other people are. We'll get into it. Plus your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 168, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast. Currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is one half of the bouncers. He is ready to take the ROH World Tag Team titles on Sunday in Lowell. It's the brawler, Brian Malonis. And you're going to be there, right, Mike? Tentatively. <laughs> seemingly. Seemingly. <laughs> to the untrained eye. <laughs> I, I don't worry, Mike. Hey, uh, you know, I, what I want uh, one of my good uh, longtime close personal friends at the biggest match of my career, you know? I mean, you haven't supported me uh, even a little bit up until this point, so why start now? Don't don't break your streak. You're going to have to give me the uh, Iggy going over? What's going on? <laughs> Should yeah. I be there, Brian? Yeah, I won't. I won't talk about TV spoilers that the Ring of Honor puts the results on their website. But I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm going to give you the spoilers for a match that you've yet to happen. Okay, Mike. Yeah, that'll happen. Is it really important for me to be there, Brian? <laughs> Mike, you know, either go or don't. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. That's kind of where I'm at with you. You know. Okay. Well, we have the big birthday party for uh, the boy. He's turning one. This coming weekend. He's going to have many, many, many more birthdays. It's taken me 17 years to get a, <laughs> a world title opportunity here. Come on. What's more important? What's going to be more rare? Maxwell's going to have probably 100 more birthdays. You know what I mean? Like He's not on. even going to remember this one, right? Yeah. He's not going to He's not gonna know you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain that to the wife, see how that goes over. Why? And, and, and furthermore, why you haven't, I mean... What do you have? A lame barbecue party? He could be. He could be witnessing, probably somebody who's like a person, going to be a personal hero to him as he grows up through his life. The uncle that uh, that that's kept from him for some reason. You keep me from from. I feel I feel like I'm close enough for for to be an uncle, and you don't ever let me see the child, Mike. You know why would you deny him the opportunity to potentially see me become a world champion for the first time? He's never going to forgive you. He's never going to forgive you for the rest of his life. They do birthday parties for Ring of Honor, like they do a chaotic. <laughs> I'm sure we could swing something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's look into that this week. Uh, so, how do you feel the last few days before the big match with uh, whoever it's going to be, either the Girls of Destiny or the Briscoes? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited, and um, I mean, I've won a championship or two in the city of Lowell before, Mike. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's really fitting, obviously, for you know, for me personally, that that this match is going down in Lowell. You know, so many. Um, I, I probably could wrestle another decade and and won't wrestle. The, it'd be impossible to wrestle more times in another city than I've wrestled in Lowell at this point. I think. Um, I, I don't think it would be. I think I'd have to stick around for another twenty years to to make that happen. But uh, no, I'm I'm excited. And anytime you get to perform in front of uh, your friends, your family, uh, and then and then the people that have supported you. Um, I mean, there's going to be lots of people in attendance there that uh, saw. Some some of the very very first matches of my career, um, you know, and, and not just friends and family, but you know, fans who have uh, probably you know longtime chaotic fans who saw me early on. So uh, it's pretty special. I'm I'm really excited. I'm I'm a little nervous, but uh, you know, it's going to be a great night. It's going to be a really it's going to be a really great night, and I guarantee I won't lose my smile, Mike. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, so and yeah, as we mentioned last week, uh, listeners of the WPA, and let us know if you're going to be there. Hopefully, you have a nice contingent there to support the brawler as he goes for the ROH World Tag Team Championships. Just like tweet me at the WPAN on Twitter or uh, slide in those DMs. Just let me know that if you're going to be in the Lowell Memorial Auditorium uh, on Sunday for Mass Hysteria, where Brian Malonis and the Beer City Bruiser will win the ROH World Tag Team titles. I'm going to spoil it right here. <laughs> spoil it. You don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, like I said, I'm sure we can... Uh uh, I'm sure we could swing a little something here where I can come in and say hi to a to a contingent of uh, WPAN listeners. Uh, so, you know, no freeloaders though. You got to listen to this podcast and uh, to even know about this and and get over there with us. So, if you're not a listener of this podcast and you heard this information secondhand, you know, no, don't don't. What I'm saying is, the listeners of this podcast don't invite other people. Let's keep it special. <laughs> Let's keep it for us. And, and tell them if they want to come to download this episode and listen. <laughs> so we're gonna turn away people. I think that's fair, right? I suppose so, Brian. Come on, uh, you gotta be a listener of this. But I think ROH would appreciate any and all fans that want to come to the show. Well, oh yeah, no, come to the show. I mean, as oh, far okay. as like me coming out to say hello. All right. So if 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 there's someone else there that isn't a listener, we'll we'll push them aside. Yeah, we're gonna turn them away, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Get on the other side of the velvet rope. <laughs> exactly. So this past week, Brian, this past weekend, actually, what happened in Oklahoma? Um, I mean, you know, I get, you know, I, I guess I, I don't know. I got to be careful, I guess, but uh, commissions can be very tough, and and I and I understand there were some issues with the commissioner and, and the com not the commissioner, but the commission in Oklahoma, but. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think I think the, be the the best was made of a of a potentially bad situation and uh, Q and A meet and greet. I mean, full disclosure hasn't happened yet, but uh, Compound Pro Wrestling doing the best they can to still give the fans uh, a unique and fun experience. You know, with all of us there and um, you know having a nice Q and A and meet and greet. So it'll, it'll be a fun night. Uh, I'm sure lots of spirits will be drank. So it'll be a good time. Well, the big question though, Brian, does this still count? As number twenty-five of the fifty states. Uh no, <laughs> it doesn't now. I mean, I get to go there, but no, it doesn't count now. Oh man, I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it's a little disappointing, um, but uh, we'll get back there. We'll get back there. Well, if you want to cheer the kingpin up, 
or the brawler, either one of them, why don't you go to his website, brianmalonis.com, and buy a t-shirt, right? Yeah, get the new beer t-shirt, man. Uh, sold a few of those over the, the holiday weekend with the big uh, with the big pro wrestling tea sale. But uh, let's see those. I mean, uh, you still have no. Maybe you don't have time to get it before uh, <laughs> before Lowell. But uh, you know, let's see them. It's a great it's a great shirt. I should have some in stock myself soon. But uh, get out there, buy the beer shirt, buy the Brawler Malona shirt, buy the WPAN Curtain Jerker T shirt. For yeah. Christ's sake, make Mike happy. He needs the the royalties. <laughs> the man has a child. For Christ's sake. That is true. I need every cent, every cent, Brian. I get the big birthday party, the big, the big cookout. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we better. You know those those uh, those Hannaford brand hot dogs aren't cheap, baby. <laughs> they don't buy themselves, <laughs> right? <laughs> nah, come on. You gotta have Scotlands, right? We're New Englanders. You gotta have Scotlands hot dogs. What, what the hell is Scotlands? You don't know what Scotlands are? Scotlands hot dogs? No. Jesus, are you even a New Englander? I know a Fenway Frank. Uh, Boy, that's KM. Stinks. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm, well, not a big, I'm not a big hot dog fan anyways. I'll look into that before uh, before the weekend, Kingpin. How about you guys out there listening look into the WPAN.com? That is the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base, our official website for the wrestling podcast about nothing, where you can find our bios, you can find photos. Oh, you can find ways to subscribe to the wrestling podcast, but nothing on all the various podcast platforms. Just about everywhere there's a podcast, you can find the wrestling podcast about nothing, including Spotify, and you can get our social media links. We are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms. Make sure to follow us and uh, interact online on social media. And I mentioned the photos, Brian. There are those hidden nudes of you, of me. With strategically placed fig leaves. <laughs> fig leaves. Maybe. Speak for yourself. I'd say more like a burlap sack for me. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what it means. <laughs> oh, okay. But Brian, there's photos of us on there, but not photos of MMA fighters. Though some people out there wish there were, because we used to be a part of BDA Radio, and BDARadio.com had a lot of... Uh, scantily clad female MMA fighters on their site. But since BDARadio.com went out of business, they redirected to our website. So when people search for these scantily clad ladies, they end up looking at pictures of you in a singlet, right? Lucky lucky for them, uh, I'm very uh, bosomy. You got that going for you, Brian. <laughs> hey, you are. You do these days too, Mike. <laughs> well, come on. So, Brian, I have here through the website the search terms that people have used that bring them to the WPAN.com. It is not all about uh, wrestling. A lot of it is about, well, let's just read a few. <laughs> oh, boy. My favorite segment on the show. <laughs> we have Abby Dow's Naked. Hmm. I'm not sure she was ever naked on BDARadio.com, but that's fairly that's fairly tame, I guess. Like not, uh, you know, not vile. <laughs> I suppose not. Oh, here's one, Brian. Attitude Era Podcast Podbean. Hmm. That is one satisfied customer, somebody who put in a search term that brought them to a podcast website where we have talked about the Attitude Era, and we're on Podbean. Are you trying to make this uninteresting now? Is that what, is that what you're going for here? <laughs> Give us the dirt, baby. 
Give us the dirt. Moving on. Joanna Jedzerzik. I don't know who this is. I'm sure it's an MMA fighter. Joanna Jedzerzik. Feet. Well, was that searched from a computer in like Bangor, Maine? <laughs> you picking up what I'm putting down, Mike? <laughs> Lewiston, Brian. Oh, Lewiston, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, how about Lowrider Girls Gallery Sex? What the, what the hell is Lowrider Girls? I don't know. Is that like your old favorite website, 8th Street Latinas? <laughs> it's a, a subsidiary thereof, I think, Brian. We have Macy Barber Body Measurements. That's fucking weird. <laughs> It's very specific, I guess. I guess if you were to like uh, fashion a, a a sex doll, you would need the measurements of that young lady. Is that, is that like when Kramer had the ass man plates and <laughs> and the lady left her dim- her, her dimensions on uh, dimensions? Am I saying that right? Measurements yes. measurements on his on his windshield. <laughs> I think I have what you what you're looking for. <laughs> The ass man's in town. <laughs> you got that straight. And finally, Brian, someone typed into the search bar looking for thick Russian MILF marina. <laughs> All right. Now, now, Mike, have you ever uh, taken these searches and, and done them yourself? I have not. Why not? Maybe someone out there can do that and see what comes up. If Steven, 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 <laughs> Steven, go ahead. And, <laughs> I know you'll be listening, buddy. Go ahead and search some of these for us. Let us know what you find. <laughs> well, I did get a message from Steven and uh, someone else talking about Nikki Cox as we after we talked about her last week. <laughs> oh, okay. Both of the uh, were fans. They let us let me know that it was Unhappily Ever After was the name of the show that she was on. Uh, and uh, yeah, Nikki Cox was uh, a special lady back in the day. Beautiful woman. Beautiful. Yes, she was. Uh, all right, so that's that. That is the WPAN.com, the WPAN.com, the most disappointing website on the internet. All right, Brian, it's time to get to our very special guest here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. We are joined by an actor with hundreds of credits, including roles in films like Cinderella Man and Watchmen and TV shows like The X-Files and The Flash. But his reason for being here today on a wrestling podcast is because of 350 Days, a movie that delves deep into the lives of wrestlers that we watched growing up. And you can purchase it right now digitally on iTunes or Amazon Prime. You can buy the Blu-ray or DVD on Amazon. He is the executive producer and director of 350 Days, Fulvio Cesare. Hello, Fulvio. Hello, Brian and Mike. Nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. So, Fulvio, 350 Days, uh, you were not a wrestling fan growing up. Is that correct? That is correct. I mean, unless you count. uh, I mean, I, I wrestled in high school, so I did enjoy that way, way early in my youth. I was born in Montreal. So I do remember, you know, watching Bruno San Martino when I was really, really young. But come high school, basically, it was all about football and smoking pot and chasing women. So wrestling didn't really enter the equation. Well, uh, 
yeah, I didn't have the same things growing up, so I was into the wrestling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you weren't a huge fan growing up, what led you to this project? Well, it's funny. Uh, so because of Cinderella Man that you mentioned, uh, I became very good friends with Angelo Dundee, who was the technical advisor on, on the movie. And uh, as you know, he was uh, Muhammad Ali's trainer and trainer of like 13 champs. So I, I went to the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame with him in uh, upstate New York a couple times. And my producing partner, Darren Antola, he's a cut man. And he was a cut man for Lou Duva, who was uh, equally famous uh, boxing trainer. And him and um, Angela were there together. And so we started talking about uh, the movies and boxing and Cinderella Man and so on and so forth. And he told me he was working on this one project. So I decided to jump on board with that to help him. And that ultimately didn't go anywhere. Then we tried to do something else, uh, tried to help out. Um, we had some ideas maybe for Hulk. That didn't go anywhere. And then he had this idea about the Territory Days. And he, he's, he's a huge wrestling fan, uh, was friends with Jimmy Snuka and Greg Valentine. And so he said, uh, what do you think of this? And I'm like, you know, I don't know anything about wrestling, but you have connections to these guys. You may be onto something. So I went to, to a couple of meetings with him and... I started seeing, you know, the potential and I said, you know what, you should let me direct this. Uh, let me call on some favors. Let's put this together uh, on a weekend. Let's see where this goes. And so I jumped head into it strictly as a as a filmmaker. And uh, the first weekend we got Tito Santana, superstar Billy Graham, Greg Valentine. They were connected through, uh, through somebody. I can't remember who it was exactly, but we got Angelo Savoldi who at the time was 99 years old when we interviewed him. I mean, he, he was wrestling back in the 1940s. That whole weekend was, it was just gold. I mean, the, the first thing we did was uh, we shot Tito Santana in a, um, his wife owns a hair salon in New Jersey. So that's where this all started. And <laughs> it was just tremendous. Uh, I knew by the second interview, when, when we got to Superstar, man, it was just absolutely nothing off the table. He was just ranting and raving about things and just talking about steroids and i'm like thinking my god you know steroids are, i mean that's pretty controversial and he's talking about it like it's like nothing you know so i i knew them we were onto something they, they were all like really really candid honest uh, by the time we got to greg valentine i mean you know he's talking about doing eight balls of cocaine and stuff i'm like oh my god all right so nothing is off the table this is great this is going to be a fun ride and so, yeah, that's how it started. So you said you got all those interviews the first weekend, but there's a total of like five years of filming, correct? Uh, well, it took us six years, almost day to day. We started, I think it was April 6th of 2013, and we were released on iTunes April 2nd this year. It, it did take that long because of, you know, editing and even things like trying to get footage and uh, photographs. You know, we, we got them through fans and photographers museums i mean it took a long time just to do that it was a span of about i think it was 21 or 22 days and i interviewed a total of 72 people all together and we went all over north america basically we started in the, the northeast i mean I, I i live in canada but i grew up here in new jersey and my partners are from new jersey so we started here we shot in new york we shot in um in Delaware, Rhode Island, Connecticut, all, all over the East Coast. We went to Atlanta. We went to Tampa. I, I drove to Vegas, L.A., Vancouver, 
Calgary, Toronto. So it, it took a while. It's, it's hard when you have no budget, no money. We did a little Indiegogo campaign for a little bit, didn't raise much money. Uh, it's been a real labor of love. Uh, what, one of our producers, David uh, Wilkins, I mean, he basically put his uh, life savings into it. And, you know, whenever money ran out, he just did another job and, you know, he saved up enough money and then he, he dumped that back into the movie. It was a real indie film and um, they're always tough to do. Just having done short films, let alone a, a feature film, I know how hard it's been doing it that way. So, yeah, six years of blood, sweat and toil. It sounds like an independent wrestler, you know what I mean? Just uh, weekend to weekend, just making enough uh, to basically live, you know? It's so funny you say that because, uh, you know, I made a point of doing that. I, I wanted to drive. I love driving to begin with. So I drove cross country from New Jersey to Vegas and every New Jersey to Atlanta to Florida. And everywhere I went, I had like a GoPro camera in, in the car just as if, you know, to, to document as if I was driving from territory to territory, just like those guys did. So I really got into the, you know, the, the swing of things, how they must have um, lived that life. I mean, I, I, love, I love driving, so that's one thing, but I'm not stopping, you know, jumping in a ring, getting my ass kicked, and then, you know, driving another 200 miles the next day. So, you know, I escaped that part. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was pretty, it was a pretty amazing experience. I think one of the most amazing things, you know, as as just being a being a big fan and uh, you know watching your film here. I mean, I, it brought me back. It brought me back to my childhood. I mean, a lot of these guys are my childhood idols, and to me, it was I think you see so many stock pictures of guys taken by you know that were in wrestling magazines and whatnot. But a lot of the pictures that you guys featured in the film were like these candid shots, clearly like fan shots, and it was it was awesome to see like some of these pictures. Was this from like a collection of people? Was this from because I noticed there was a was a common person in a bunch of them? But how did you come across a lot of these? Well, my partners uh, got most of the photos. I got a hold of some of the photographers for them to to contact because they were the money guys and people that were um, friends of like Bret Hart, for example. We got all those early early photos of Bret. I mean, that's pretty tremendous. I don't know where you're going to find those. And yeah, that one fan, I forget his name, I think his name is Eric. Yes, it is Eric. I did see yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about Eric. Yeah, and he, uh, how could we not use that, right? The pictures were so great. Almost every single guy that was in the in the movie, he had a, a shot of, you know? So it's like, I'm sure people are wondering, who's who's that guy? But it's the guy next to Greg Valentine and Tito and everybody else, you know, and Brett. <laughs> so yeah, I love those pictures. They're great. And, and it adds a real kind of like fan element to it, too. And I mean, you talk about the photos, just the way the interviews are filmed overall, uh, it looks really good. Like multiple cameras on these guys for these interviews. Uh, did you really go out of your way to make sure you had like the top of the line stuff? Absolutely. Um, and not only top of the line stuff, top of the line guys. It's amazing. You know, and th this is why it kind of kills me that, you know, I wasn't like a big fan. How, how did this like escape me? Because like I, I would put uh, ads, you know, on Craigslist or, you know, some kind of a post somewhere, Facebook or whatever, looking for, for crew. And, you know, first of all, I would, I would ask for specific cameras and, you know, experience and reels and all that. But I can't tell you how many directors of photography are wrestling fans and they all came <laughs> on board because they wanted to work 
on a wrestling documentary. They wanted to meet that guy. You're you're interviewing who? I love that guy. It's like, yeah, the, my, my rate is this. I'll do it for half of that. It's like, you know, so it was a, a lot of that. It was it was really, really tremendous. That first weekend alone, I mean, I remember I had a really, really uh, great um, DP, Ken uh, Kaiser. He was um, a DP. He was like making videos for Sports Illustrated. He was flying all over the world. And he cut his rate by like two thirds to come on board to do Tito and Superstar and all that. And I, I especially love the, the footage on that stuff. It was so well shot, so well lit, total high end cameras. Yeah, I was very, very lucky. Uh, I had really, really great crews. And the fact that they loved wrestling, that really was a bonus. They were excited to be there. It wasn't just a job for them. You know, they were really, they thought it was part of. You know this historical thing that we're doing. It was uh, it was really it was fun. Uh, unfortunately, because I didn't have much money to play with, my crews were very very small. You know, it was really like guerrilla filmmaking. It's a real testament to what, what we got done with uh, what little we had. It's funny that you mentioned that, you know, you get these guys that are excited to do it for half rate because I think that one of the best things about wrestling, especially when you're becoming a, uh, an adult and you have the opportunity to meet these guys, is it brings you back to a time in your life when you were a child and these guys were captivating your attention. Now, somebody, you know, like yourself who, who was not a fan growing up, how was like your initial reaction to hearing some of these crazy stories, like really not having the background uh, of it, having not grown up watching it? Was it was this like just stunning for you to, to hear these sorts of stories well you know what kind of uh, slowly and yet immediately kind of grabbed me is that i, I realized that i basically i lived the same life as an actor i tried live in vancouver bc and yet i still rent a place in toronto i grew up in new jersey so i've done the new york new jersey thing you know since the early 80s i got my start in la so I'm usually around those four cities at any one point or Seattle or um, or Portland. And so it's like, that's what these guys do. They, they go there, they perform. It's like, that's what I do. But what I do is I, I memorize my lines. If I'm lucky, I, I always fight to do my own stunts. And I've been fortunate. I think there was one time they wouldn't let me do a, a stunt. But um, so I totally get it. But the appreciation came from these guys are, are the complete package. Whereas, you know, I memorize my lines, you know, I go through makeup and all that. These guys are their own choreographers, they're actors, they're improv, they, uh, you know, kabuki theater, I, I keep mentioning all the time with their outlandish uh, costumes, they, they direct their scenes, they're athletes, they're stuntmen. I mean, it's holy crap. You know, it's hard enough just being an actor. You guys have to do all of that. And, you know, your partner on, in the ring, just like my partner in front of the camera, has got to know their lines. They have to know their, what, what they're doing, and it's got to work. And if it doesn't, obviously, it, you know, fails miserably. But when it works, man, it's art. That's what really struck me is that um, it's very, very similar to, to my business, except that, you know, you guys have the whole physical aspect to it. So is it fair to say you felt kind of a kinship to these guys you're interviewing and did they have any reservations talking to you as someone who is not a part of the wrestling business? Uh, no. And you know why? I think that's actually the, the whole beauty of this. Uh, I think it really worked to my advantage not knowing much about wrestling because I, I didn't come off as uh, some mark or, you know, some super fan just uh, being there, you know, wanting to meet them. I, I was there to shoot a movie. I'm there to tell their story. That's what the movie's about. What was life like? 
on the road during the territory days. Not here, you know, to to ask you uh, who your favorite wrestler was or whatever. No, tell me about your life. What did you go through to become a wrestler? What was life like back then in the cars and in the ring, backstage, the, the women, the drugs, the steroids? And they told me. They didn't talk to me like some tan or whatever. They talked to me like a filmmaker, like I'm putting something down here for posterity. And they were so honest and candid and talked about things that I, I'm not going around telling people uh, I did steroids or eat balls of cocaine. I, I may have done it, but I'm not going around telling people about it. And they're doing it on film. So it's like. Wow, thank you guys. Thank you for being that open and um, really giving us a piece of, of yourself. Well, your secret about the uh, eight balls and the steroids, that's safe with us. Thank you. So. <laughs> <laughs> As like Greg Valentine used to say, he said, that was the 80s. We were pacing ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really was a, di- a different time and age. And, and the funny thing about um, seeing these guys all, all talk about this so openly now is, is largely all of them came up in an era that, I mean, had they done this in the, in the, in the era they came up in, they would have been, they would have been ostracized. So it, it is interesting now that, um, I, I mean, I think, I think some of them, it's almost like a, like a cautionary tale of don't live as I lived. I mean, especially when you think about like the Ted DiBiase telling his amazing story. Yes. Yeah. That, and that's, I mean, that's a whole other aspect, right? So not the steroids and stuff, but, that, but what, what did he say? He said his problem was never drugs or alcohol. It was the womanizing. It's like, holy crap, you're going to talk about that? It's like, yes, awesome. And fortunately, there's a happy ending to that. He, he's been married to the same woman now for, it's got to be like close to 40 years after he went through that. I mean, there, there's a tale of redemption. I mean, that's, that is really uplifting. That's a, that's a tremendous story he told. And you talked about uh, all the the drug abuse and stuff like that that these guys are so openly talking about in 350 Days. The one thing that really struck me was Bret Hart's comment about doing cocaine with wrestlers was a bonding experience. And then the fact that wrestlers did weed to kind of unwind, and then they started testing for weed. And he said, you know, that led to more drinking and more pills. And he kind of attributes that for more of the wrestlers kind of dropping dead from that era was this just like blowing you away at this point it well it, i mean think about it it's it's true isn't it i mean it's it actually i mean it happened i mean how many of them started uh, dropping dead after that and if you think about weed use nowadays it's it's cbd oil this and uh, every state or province is is passing uh, you can smoke there I, it's, it's it's crazy I'm really, really proud of this movie because, I mean, it, it touches on so many things that at the time were, you know, taboo or frowned upon or, or illegal or whatever that now are almost like commonplace. But what they went through, when you look at all the uh, when you look at the superstar, for example, and all the, the steroid use, I mean, he was so into it because, you know, he said that he didn't see any uh, future in being like a technical wrestler. His whole thing was about the, the the entertainment part of it. So he had to look the part. But look at what those steroids did to him. And, you know, when you lose four inches of height and, you know, you're he describes the, the death of a bone because of the lack of blood supply going to the bone because of steroid use. It's like, yeah, talk about cautionary tales. And then yet there's the flip side to that, because I remember um, interviewing Rick Drayson who used to wrestle in the L.A. territory, he was totally pro-steroids because he says steroids are there to help you. 
You know, it's the steroids are the, you, the doctors give you steroids when you have injuries and all that. It's the abuse of the steroids that's the problem, right? It's uh, taking advantage of them. But steroids are there to help. So, and even the, like Schwarzenegger used to take steroids. He never, uh, you know, uh, said he didn't. But back then, I guess it was legal. So I don't know why, you know, when Hulk Hogan was doing it and, and Vince and all that, but the big controversy or, you know, Mark McGuire and baseball and all that stuff. Now it's like, does anybody not take steroids? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely, a, I mean, it, it, again, being in such a different age now and WWE especially has a pretty, um, you know, pretty stringent testing program and, and being a publicly traded company where it was almost like, you know, especially in the, the days of superstar Billy Graham, it was almost like the Wild West. There was no regulation on anything. These guys were, were really operating all on handshake agreements at uh, in that era where, where today there's contracts that bind you to to companies. These guys were kind of coming and going, you know, with, with no. Notices. So it really was, uh, it really was the 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 wild west and really the early days of uh, of steroids when you think about it, especially in Billy Graham's day. Yeah, and it, it, you notice how he just like rattled them off like a like a laundry list. Like it was just, it, it was really that that was shocking to me. I mean, I mean, I've never taken a steroid in my life, so I, I don't know what it's like. But wow, to have taken that much. But look at that body. I mean, he, he was a, a superstar. I mean, that what twenty four inch arms. I mean, he was uh, Arnold's uh, weightlifting buddy. I mean, you know, those steroids worked for him, but <laughs> ultimately, that you know, didn't help uh, the health, but um, sure helped uh, his physique back then. The funny thing is, facially, he looks almost exactly the same from the old clips that you show and him now. He looks like yeah. exactly the same. Very weird. Yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed him. He, he was, uh, he was a funny guy, and Greg too. Now, Greg, I, I want to go back to Greg. He, he seemed like when I first sat down with him, I, I thought he was going to be a little rough because he, he was just like really kind of quiet. I, I just didn't think I was going to get much out of him. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a tough one. So I started asking him a few questions, and it was, you know, a, you know, short answers. I'm like, oh, this is going to be tough. And then all of a sudden, he started like opening up. And by the end of the interview, it was so great because we, we got done, you know, because I, I interviewed him inside of a ring and it was so beautifully shot. And it's just basically, you know, him and uh, some low lights. And it was just really beautiful. And then by the end of the question and answer stuff, I said, well, do you want to like maybe just like move around in the ring and I'll have the camera guys follow you? Next thing you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. And he starts grabbing my cameraman. He starts putting them in headlocks. And it was, he started having such a blast. I got this, this little clip where he's chopping me off the uh, turnbuckle. It was, I had such a blast with him. Not only is there unique, never before seen photos, but never before seen video, at least, I mean, by me, I don't know. It's very rare, if not never before seen. But there's one in particular that's of interest to, myself and Brian, because we're from New England, from the New England area, and Brian specifically trained for a while under Killer Kowalski. And yeah. there is this unique video in the movie of Kowalski. Can you tell me what this is from? Well, okay, so it's, it's funny because I don't even know where it's from. My editor, Michael Burlingame, he actually uh, shot that. He worked on some... Some show, uh, and I don't think it, it went anywhere, but he like owned the footage. 
And it's kind of like Killer Kowalski in like a, a Twilight Zone episode. It was really bizarre. And uh, yeah, I know. Where are you going to see that, right? That, I mean, that is another great thing about this movie. When, when we say never before seen photos and footage, we mean it, which is it's so hard to, to do these days. I mean, pretty much Vince owns everything. So even if we could afford to get stuff from Vince, it'll be stuff that everybody's seen already anyway. But this stuff, well, where are you going to see that? Well, where are you going to see that footage, the home footage of uh, of Jimmy Snooker feeding giraffes and petting uh, rhinoceroses and, uh, you know, giving a milk to a baby bear cub? <laughs> you know, J.J. Uh, Dillon in Japan in the 1970s. Where are you going to see this stuff? Well, 350 days, that's where you're going to see it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was it was tremendous. And when you when you think about you know and you're talking about Jimmy Snuka and and George Steele, I mean these guys are, are no longer here to tell their tale. So really, I mean th- this movie is is going to be one of the last opportunities for fans really to see new footage and hear and hear them talk about things for really the last time. So there's really you know that, I mean that's when you think of two guys as as iconic and as legendary as them that, that that's pretty special and it's definitely a drawing point to this movie like i said the unfor- the unseen footage and really the final interviews of a couple of legends oh um for example definitely angelo savoldi for sure he was 99 years old george animal steel i'm pretty confident that it was probably one of his last ones cuz he he wasn't doing too well health wise back then don fargo I interviewed him at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame when I was still in Amsterdam, New York. He's gone. Nikolai Volkov, he's gone. The Wolfman, Willie Farkas, he, he was living in obscurity in, in a small apartment in Toronto, you know, forgotten by history. I'm pretty sure it was the last interview. I'm so glad I got him. Don Leo Jonathan, my God, I'm so lucky that I, I got to interview him. He, another huge legend. Uh, I, I, there's so many it. It, it, it kind of breaks my heart. I think at the last count, we were at 16 of the 72 had passed away. But I think it's it's almost close to 20 now. I know one has dementia in, in a wheelchair. Uh, some of them, even people like uh, Paul Orndorff, not in the best of health. Superstar, not in the best of health. And, you know, they're, they're getting older and they've have they've had so many injuries and it's a shame. It's really a shame. So I, I was just so fortunate to have interviewed these people and met them and, and become a fan through having met them. And it's such a glimpse for wrestling fans to to see, you know. Um, I mean, even when you go back and look at things like on the WWE Network, when you go look and and you see Paul Orndorff, you're going to see, you know, that that guy that's all muscled up and and in his prime. So it's something really, and and for some fans, maybe shocking to see the toll that the business takes on the what being on the road 350 days does to you know a human being at they, they do it for a, for a number of years no matter how much the the money the glitz the glamour the fame uh, ultimately there's a there's a pretty big price to pay at the end yeah and yet you know and i i kind of made a point of this because we we asked i didn't know what the answers would be and fortunately it, it came out this way every single one every single person that we interviewed had absolutely zero regrets that they would have done the exact same thing over again. Some of them wish they were still doing it. There's a whole segment where they all rattle off every single injury, uh, replacing this joint and that joint. And throughout it all, they're like, Nope, I would do it all over again. It was highlight of my life. I no regrets. I, 
they were champions. They were Don Fargo was selling at Madison Square Garden in 1960. It's like, wow, you know, it's like I've been to Madison Square Garden 10 million times watching bands and stuff. I, I know what that stadium holds. And to think wrestlers, you know, packed that in back then. It's like, my God, they were gods back then. Yeah, it, it was a rough life, but man, they they lived it. They enjoyed it, especially Don. He, you know, in the documentary, he says how he lived like all of his uh, his gimmicks. So if he was a, a a heel, you know, he'd be going to bars and getting into fights. I mean, he's, he was a character actor. You know, I, I can totally understand what he's talking about. Thank God for these guys. I uh, what, what a great uh, revelation. One thing about the Brett thing, besides the whole uh, cocaine thing, I was talking about earlier. That maybe I want to get Brian's reaction to this, where Bret Hart talked about the precision of wrestling and yeah. how you have to be so precise to not hurt somebody. Do you think, Brian, that that is kind of gone out the window these days in modern wrestling? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, 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 sadly, I, I think it has to an extent where it, it's funny. And, and so this almost might even be another culture shock to you, Fulvio, where and, and thinking about the, the amount that these guys wrestled 350 days a year where they legitimately were on the road. And now there's this thing sort of in wrestling where people just kill each other. <laughs> they just, um, you know, lots of lots of bumps on your head and hitting each other as hard as you can and and dives to the floor. And it's, uh, you know, it's just the evolving state of the art. But um, <laughs> there's not too many, there's not too many of these guys who would survive the type of schedule that, you know, somebody like a Bret Hart or a Greg Valentine had to go through because you can't be hurt. You have to perform in Philadelphia and in Boston the next day and then in New York the day after that. And you can't miss these dates. That that's kind of disheartening to to hear because I mean, on the one hand I get it because you have to keep raising the bar in a way, right? You need a little bit of shock value. You you need to sell that it's uh it's real in a way. But you're really killing yourself because look at what those guys went through. And there was precision involved. You know, it's just that they did it so often. But, you know, even the people like uh, Bushwhacker Luke, I mean, remember when he when he showed you his nose, there's no cartilage there. He's like every night you're going to get a concussion or you're going to get elbowed or, or something. Right. It, go, it just goes with the territory. I mean, but Brett was really, really careful. He he is an artist. I mean, he truly. um He's not like the others. They um, like when even uh, Superstar mentioned it, right? Where you saying, uh, you know, he wasn't a technical wrestler like Brett or like a Harley Race. Those guys are highly precision guys. And right, I mean, you know, a three hundred pound guy jumping off the turnbuckle and he misses you by like a feather. It's like, wow, that's pretty impressive. That's that's Hollywood stuntman stuff, right? I mean, that is that's pro. That's really impressive stuff. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry you guys are hurting yourself like that. I mean, I saw some of that stuff, like um, some of the uh, AEW stuff, like Jericho and Omega and all that. I mean, it's like, wow, that was pretty intense stuff, too. It's like, how are those guys doing it? It's, and, yeah, and you guys over Ring of Honor, man, it's like, yeah, good thing you're not wrestling 350 times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, definitely the risk factor is is higher, and although I guess some of it probably is the schedule a little bit. If if you know if guys had to wrestle, go out and wrestle three hundred and fifty times a year, and they might be less inclined to do some of the stuff they do on a week to week basis, and and you know wrestling on the weekends and whatnot. It it's it's crazy, and it's something I you know I I definitely fall more in the Bret Hart camp of like. I want to get up tomorrow and be able to get out of bed and and do the things I want to do and and go out and 
have my next match and not, uh, you know, not be injured. Well, and also remember, um, the reason they wrestled that often back then was because they weren't making any money. These guys weren't getting flown around in jets and stuff. I mean, at some point they did like Brett and maybe superstar, you know, once they really started becoming popular, you know, there's that whole story that Ted DiBiase says how, you know, they'd uh, wrestle in, uh, Greensville, South Carolina, and then they wouldn't have enough money, not even to eat at uh, McDonald's. So they'd, they'd get a, a loaf of bread, some bologna, and they'd call it a bologna blowout. They'd get a hotel, <laughs> and they'd figure out, you know, who gets the, the the box spring, who gets the mattress. I mean, that's crazy, crazy stuff. It's like because they were making twenty five, thirty dollars a match, so they had to keep going day after day. And then, you know, some of those guys, that $25 went to drinking and drugs and steroids. And it's a crazy, crazy lifestyle. And if you think about it, it's got to be so similar to being in a rock and roll band, right? That They were the rock stars of their days. So, Fulvio, recently I saw that there was a private screening of 350 Days in Calgary. And Bret Hart was the guest of honor, correct? Yes, Yes. Well, so let, let me go back a second there. Uh, okay. So, so the thing is, we, we were released on iTunes uh, in the states April second. You can get us on Amazon. Um, we're on a whole bunch of on FiOS, uh, Spectrum, a whole bunch of cable companies throughout the country. Vimeo, Xbox, Google Play. But for some reason, like Amazon is a little different up in Canada. So. Canadian fans couldn't really see it there except on like maybe Vimeo or Xbox. So because I was born in Canada, I live in Canada, I took it upon myself to start doing a little Thank You Canada tour. I've done five already, and I started in Vancouver, and it was so tremendous, the old uh, all-star wrestling territory. And I had, um, at the end of the screening, I had, uh, I think, eight old-timers from back in the territory days come up on the stage with me. Uh, then I did one in Winnipeg where Brett and Kenny Omega got their start and, you know, big wrestling uh, community there. And so then I went to Calgary and I stopped at Edmonton first and Calgary was tremendous. Brett was the, was the guest of honor, of course. So we had a, a whole special show for him. He was awarded this one photograph from this artist, a second painting that he signed is going to his charity, which is a prostate cancer charity. And then we were given this incredible honor. There's this ceremony called the White Hat Ceremony in Calgary. They've been doing this since 1946, and it started with the Calgary Stampede, where they would, um, whenever there was a visiting dignitary or a celebrity or something, you know, of huge importance, like the Queen or, you know, George Bush, Vladimir Putin, you know, some high-powered people come into town, they would bestow upon them this white hat. And Brett's dad, Stu, had been white hatted years and years ago, but Brett hadn't. And we got white hatted. Brett Hart, his wife Stephanie, and I got white hatted that night, which is an absolutely tremendous honor. And uh, thank you, Calgary, if there's anybody listening from Calgary. So that was really, really special. And having him there on the red carpet, and he was there with his family. I think there were 10 of them there. So he had a really, really great night. And then I just finished up in Toronto, June 30th. I was in Toronto, the old uh, Maple Leaf uh, wrestling there. And that was pretty tremendous, too. I, I had, I don't know, maybe close to 20 people on stage with me after that. So there's, there's this huge, huge wrestling base of people that love the nostalgia, indie wrestlers, 
women. There's so many women that come to these shows and they're always coming up to me saying, wow, I can't believe this is what wrestling is about. I, I, I never knew that uh, this was their life. And, you know, this whole newfound respect from a, a woman's point of view. But of course, there's women wrestling and we have w- Wendy Richter and all that. But when, you know, the average, I don't want to say housewife, I don't want to belittle, you know, belittle it or anything, but, you know, the average woman that really doesn't know anything about wrestling, when they come up to you and say, wow, this is really, really great. I really did my job. I mean, that really means a lot to me. Fans, non-fans, everyone is going to enjoy 350 days. I mean, there's so much stuff talking about uh, gimmicks, talking about kayfabe, talking about fans, talking about injuries, ring rats. Uh, you know, we talked about you know drugs, all this other stuff, blading. So many different subjects delved into here in this movie. And why don't you let everyone know, Fulvio, once again, how they can purchase directly 350 days. Amazon.com is uh, the best place because you can get the Blu-ray disc there. And we're doing very well on Amazon. So thank you, whoever's buying on Amazon. We really appreciate it. Uh, You can find it on iTunes, Vimeo, Xbox, Google Play, uh, depending on the market, Spectrum, Cox, uh, Verizon. Oh, I'd also like to announce this this is the first on your show. All right. If all goes well, we, we were just released in Australia on iTunes. And uh, we're going to be on something called Fetch TV, which is, I guess, their version of uh, Hulu, uh, which is next month. And we are in the process of uh, setting up a screening in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Excellent. Yeah. So you heard it here first on your podcast. All right. Tremendous. We love exclusives. (laughs) So, Fulvio, this has been uh, absolutely tremendous to have you here talking about 350 days. Really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, and, and thank you, Ring of Honor. Um, uh, you guys are tremendous. I know that they went over to All Elite now, but um, my premiere was at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood, and I had uh, SoCal Uncensored there, the former uh, Ring of Honor guys. <laughs> they, they were great to have there. They're awesome guys. Yeah, they're all, even though they work for the competition now, they're they're great guys. And yeah, I mean, thank you. I mean, th- and thanks for doing this film. And this film was tremendous. I, I sat here like a little kid watching it, and it, and it really, uh, you know, it really brought me back, um, you know, to my childhood and, and seeing this. And, and and especially again, like Mike said, for us, that that footage of. Uh, Killer Kowalski really holds a special place in our hearts. So, um, I mean, just the film is fantastic, and I can't recommend it enough to any any. I mean, really any, but not just wrestling fans, but anybody who just wants a glimpse of what life is like when you have to be on the road and be away from your family and and have that sort of crazy life. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. All right, we want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our interview with Silvio Cesare. 350 days. Let us know what you think. Go watch the movie and give us your thoughts. Use the hashtag WPAN and we can discuss it with you. Or you can call the voicemail line. Get your voice on this show. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. It's been a while since we heard from you guys. Give us a call. Let us know anything. Questions, concerns, uh, burials. 401-584-9726. Speaking of burials... We got Mike Mills in Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Burials is what he does best when it comes to your pal, Mike Crockett. Let's check out their two podcasts they do a week. Sunday, it is the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursday, it is their flagship show where they're talking about the old Saturday Night 605 WCW show. MikeMills.Podbean.com for Booking the Territory. 
and the northern version of Booking the Territory basically is our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast with little Joe Murata, big Michael Quinn. They are talking about the best and worst intercontinental champions in this season of OVP. Check out ovppodcast.com for more information and ways to listen to our vantage point. Do you think they're going to come to the Hammerstein Ballroom on uh, on Saturday for Manhattan Mayhem? What do you think? I'm guessing no. <laughs> they only come out for the big shows. They only come out of their attic for the big ones. <laughs> greetings from Allentown. Speaking of big ones, greetings from Allentown is a big <laughs> podcast. It's a big podcast, Brian. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. With PW Peter Winston. He's a big one. He's a tall guy. Peter Winson. Check out his very unique podcast where he talks about a single episode of wrestling television each and every week and really puts his own special spin on things. Check out Greetings from Allentown on his own feed or the Pro Wrestling Only feed on Place to Be Nation and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast and the Rundown Wrestling Network. They have a whole network of shows over there, rundownwrestling.com for more information on that. And every week, yes, Brian, they are still doing Twat Magic. All right. <laughs> so listen and enjoy. Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways and airways, Brian. Crisscrossing the screen, Nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates i do mike well like i said we talked about earlier this weekend a big weekend for me with ring of honor first on saturday night uh, july the 20th uh, manhattan center hammerstein ballroom new york city ring of honors international tv taping manhattan mayhem main evented by a couple of big matches actually it'll be the world champion matt taven defending against jay lethal and then a match that the bouncers will definitely be keeping an eye on the manhattan street fight between the ring of honor world tag team champions the Gorillas of Destiny and the Briscoe Brothers. And the very next day in Lowell, Massachusetts, at Ring of Honor's Mass Hysteria, the Bouncers get their world tag team title shot against the winner of that match, the biggest match of my career. One of my best friends won't be in attendance for it. You can you can bank on that. <laughs> but that goes down in Lowell, Massachusetts at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium uh, this Sunday, July the 21st, uh, rohwrestling.com for tickets. Uh, then I return to action on 8-4 uh, Sunday, Mike, at Fenway Park uh, for Bell Time Club as part of the El Mundo Festival. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to getting back at Fenway and uh, wrestling there again. Uh, eight nine, I will be in Toronto for Summer Supercard with Ring of Honor. Really excited about that. Uh, will confirm that I will be there. So uh, very very excited to be part of that enormous uh, enormous card that'll take place. Lee Fulvio, some tickets at the door. Yes, indeed. Maybe, huh? Hopefully, Fulvio can get there. And then, uh, Mike, on 816, uh, I returned to Brew City Wrestling in Waukesha, Wisconsin. 817, I'm heading to Atlantic Pro Wrestling in Newburyport, Massachusetts. There's also a special Q&A and meet and greet uh, available for purchase right now on AtlanticProWrestling.com for ticket and card information on that. But uh, that'll be fun on Saturday night, uh, August the 17th. Friday night, August the 23rd, I will be in Malden, Massachusetts for UFO Wrestling. Uh, the 24th, I will be in Atlanta for Ring of Honor. The 25th, Nashville for Ring of Honor. And on 831, I'm coming to Peabody, Massachusetts for Proving Ground Wrestling. So much going on this summer, Kingpin. Yeah, it's the summer of the brawler. <laughs> summer of the brawler. Email Brian at Comcast.net if you want to get the Kingpin, the brawler, on your show 
or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. This promo about nothing, Brian, comes for the year 1995. And we've talked about Canada a bunch. Fulvio, of course, born in Montreal. We are going to Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada for River City Wrestling. It's an independent organization. I sometimes tend to stay away from the independents because, you know, it's guys still honing their craft. But uh, I couldn't resist this one, Brian. This sounds like something I made up for Faker 500. But this wrestler is known as the Tulip. <laughs> the Tulip, huh? The Tulip. This week's promo about nothing. Wrestling fans, joining me now, one of the most colorful wrestlers in Manitoba, the Tulip. I'm glad to be here tonight, Wayne. You know, Brother Midnight, this coming Thursday night at a night of champions is going to be me and you in the ring. And you've been trying to tell everybody that you're the world's worst wrestler. Well, that's me, the world's worst. You see, for night after night, match after match, it took me years to win one. I lost every match I was ever in for years. I know you're doing it deliberately. I tried to win. I'm not proud of being the world's worst wrestler. Because I tried to win. Where you're different. You just wanted to lose and get to your name in the record book and try to be me? Forget it. Thursday night at Night of Champions is going to be me and you wrestling. And you know what? For sure, I'm going to lose. You're going to win. And that's all there is to it. And I'm going to be the world's worst wrestler, not you. There you have it, wrestling fans. Confident he'll lose the match. The Tulip. Where to begin, Brian? Where to begin? Uh, the outfit, maybe? <laughs> that might be a good place to start. It is a... a Pink, looks like spandex, um, full sleeve, full shirt, full sleeves, and it's got tulips kind of sewn onto it. Looking good, this guy. <laughs> Looking like a million bucks, Mike. A million bucks. <laughs> like, what would you say? What would you say about his physique? Uh, <laughs> what physique? Uh, uh, uh Melted butter? <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like uh he looks like a dad. Yeah, he looks yeah, looks like uh looks like you. <laughs> I wish I had a shirt that nice. I always told you you look like a pro wrestler, Mike. Thank you. No, this guy I this is real, but I'm, this isn't like some fly by night public access like th- this is real. There's these are real cards, River City Wrestling. And there was this just this underneath, uh, underneath feud between the Tulip and Brother Midnight over who is the worst professional wrestler. And this guy, the Tulip, really wants to be the worst. Apparently, yeah. This is like I, I don't. It's I don't know. I I I mean, he was losing not on purpose, but the other guy was losing on purpose, and. I don't, uh, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, what are, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, who thought this was a good, I mean, I know it's, you said it's an independent promotion, but like, who thought this was a good idea? Like, oh, you know, it's going to sell tickets. <laughs> like, come on. What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Who's he related to? The tulip. <laughs> well, thank, thankfully there's, uh, probably not too much, uh, too many tulip matches out there that we'd have to go endure through. No, I don't think so. The f- I first heard about this uh, on another podcast, six oh five podcast, because Brother Midnight is a guy that would uh, cut like Dusty Rhodes type promos, just kind of like do a Dusty Rhodes rip off voice and just be 
rapping 100 miles an hour and his feud with the tulip was something that was talked about on that podcast and uh, i had never seen the tulip uh, live and in living color and you can do it too if you want to uh, follow the link in the description of the episode or at the wpan.com you can see the tulip for yourself uh, i mean he's it's a happening man he looks as unimpressive as he sounds. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it was like, hey, you, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you over there. Hey, come here. Put this on. We'll give you 50 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> that really does look like what happened here. And uh, yeah, I really don't want to see this guy in a ring. I don't think there's footage that exists of him wrestling on YouTube or anything like that. And that's probably for the best. <laughs> Thank God for that. Does not scream athlete, this gentleman doesn't scream anything except for like nerdy middle-aged dad who like says like gee willikers and stuff <laughs> oh my goodness the tulip the tulip my friends mike are you gonna be a cool dad what do you th- what do you think you think you're gonna be a cool dad or you're gonna be a strict dad uh i'm gonna try to do both is that possible <laughs> no it's not possible oh it's not possible all right i'll probably be a nerd i'll probably be like tulip too let me, let me tell you, it starts to turn around age seven. <laughs> Wait, t- it turns think, around when? They think you're cool, and then they hit age seven, and uh, dad ain't so cool anymore. That early? Really? Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Wow. Sorry, bud. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> well, if you want to be depressed a little more, find the link to the video of the Tulips promo in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Ended on a down note, Brian, but we'll be back next Monday for episode 169 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, he is the brawler, Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.